Welcome to The Unheralded. This is a podcast where we get to learn more about the sports professions you thought you knew about. With the help of those already working in their field, we'll get notions dispelled, hear some weird stories, and get to appreciate their jobs just a little bit more. I'm your host, Eddie Almaguer, and on today's show, Strength and Conditioning. In this episode, we're taking a look at one of the most overlooked positions on any sports teams. The strength and conditioning of an athlete directly correlates to performance. If athletes aren't properly warming up, cooling down, stretching, and working out the right muscles, then they risk losing, or worse, injury. It's up to the strength and conditioning staff to make sure everyone is performing as close to or at peak levels when it's game time. But their jobs go much deeper than that. Sometimes they're there to be more of a psychologist or a motivational speaker. Other times they're there to be an athlete's biggest fan. Paul Chandler and Blake Bender are part of the strength and conditioning staff at the University of Florida. Paul has had two different stints at the school. First as an intern with the football team and now with a full-time position leading baseball for the last eight years and softball for the last six. Blake is much newer, he's actually only 23. While only a grad assistant, he's in charge of the men's golf team and has an intern under him. Blake also helps out with men's basketball too, he's been with the university for a year. In our conversation, the two opened up about the overlooked parts of their jobs, how to form relationships with athletes, and what it's like when they see one of their players get injured right in front of them. The first voice you'll hear is Paul. What was there a moment early in your life, early early in your adulthood, uh, that kind of set you on this path? Yeah, for me it was kind of in college. Uh, I went to a small Division two school. Um, I walked on to play football. Um, definitely had some athletic ability, but definitely not as gifted as others. So that's kind of where I kind of fell in love with the whole idea of the weight room and conditioning aspect as far as getting better. So what are some misconceptions people may have about your job? From a casual fan's perspective, they hear you're a strength and conditioning coach. They're like, okay, you probably do this and that's it. Yeah, and I think it's a great question. I'm glad we're going to talk about this. Um, and the world of strength and conditioning, I feel like, has been hijacked by my juice guys, um, circus entertainers, that sort of stuff. These guys that are complete caricatures of strength and conditioning coaches. Um, we see it, you know, a lot of times every Saturday on fo- this football sidelines that these guys are waving towels, trying to get guys hyped, just being completely absurd. Okay, <laughs> now do they have a motivational compa- uh, component? Yeah. But most of them, we start diving deep in what they're doing in the weight rooms, that sort of stuff for their kids. I would say most of them are kind of doing some dangerous and kind of sketchy things in their rooms because they don't have the the true background and understanding of, of the little bit of science of it and are just putting kids in really dangerous situations. I think that's why there's also a revolving door of string coaches in general um, is because you got a lot of bad string coaches out there. I was told very early in my career by some of my mentors, you'll figure out there's a lot more bad string coaches than good string coaches. And one of the ways you can judge a good string coach is, is their injury rates. Does the team seem more beat up than normal uh, across all sports? Okay, obviously some sports are con- conclusion, uh, collision based, and you can't prevent those. Not everything's preventable. But are the injury rates below national average? Okay, that's the first way you can tell if a strength coach is good. Second is their buy-in from the athletes. Um, do they believe in the overall program? Um, because the strength coach 
is in a direct extension of the head coach. Uh, the strength coach spends more time um, with the athletes year-round than the actual sport coaches do. So if the strength coach and the head coach are not on the same page, they can wreck a team in terms of the team culture besides the injury component. So you mentioned, okay, so can you quickly explain the injury rate to me? First, what's the average the national average, how do you even measure that? Is that a percentage thing or is that a... Yes, yeah, so there is research out there on um, what people collect from data, whether it's baseball players, softball players, gymnasts, volleyball players, of um, what frequently shows up, okay? So whatever those numbers end up being for your sport, you know, are your numbers below that or at that? Um, that would be a good measuring rate in terms of um, at least that metric in terms of measuring how a strength coach is good. Lifting weights and getting the body in shape is naturally a big component of a strength and conditioning coordinator's job. But you're not going to get the most out of athletes if you haven't connected with them yet. You mentioned a few times now the relationship you have to build with an athlete. Uh, how do you go about fostering that? Yeah, I think for some people it's more gifted than others, okay? I think that's kind of uh, a certain thing. I think some people have to kind of work on the relationship aspect. Obviously, you can't connect with everyone, even on a baseball roster, like, 31 to 32 I'm only going to connect with so many guys really uh, just based on pure personality okay you can try to connect with some guys that you know that need help but there's only going to be so much you can bridge naturally from a personal connection but with that said in terms of the overall culture of a program you can't change or create the correct culture without being invested in the kids and trying to have good relationship where they can see it's authentic that you're in it for them and not necessarily for your own self in terms of money, um, status, um, social notoriety, I mean, what, what have you. Have you ever had any situations where, a, where an athlete didn't originally click with you, but then maybe you start slowly started bonding and you saw some great progression from them? Yeah, I have. Um, and kind of the, the person that kind of comes to my mind is a former player, uh, Casey Turgeon, who played here, um, um, played second base for a long time for us here. Um, and really in college, him and I did not really click. I mean, Casey was kind of a, um, a guy that didn't really like the weight room, didn't really see the benefit um, of it. And um, I tried for three years to get him to really kind of um, get the buy-in factor. Um, and you know, to my, to my knowledge at the time, I thought it was a total failure. But um, after his first pro season, um, he comes back and wants to train here uh, in the off season. And he'd, um, um, last year and the year before, um, he trained here the whole off season. Um, and it, it clicked for him finally, you know? So you don't always see results right away. I mean, obviously I would have wished it would have clicked a little sooner when he was in college, you know, maybe he got a few more hits and, <laughs> and a few more gains as far as the team goes. But to see that to come around, a kid that you invested in at 18 that's now coming to you at 22, 23, 24, um, it makes me feel good um, that, you know, some of that stuff was not in vain. Paul's had plenty of time to establish himself within the UF ecosystem. Baseball and softball players trust him because they see him each season. But Blake faced a little bit of a different challenge. He was new, and all of a sudden, a 23-year-old had to form enough trust so that he can command athletes his age and bust their butts with workouts. Yeah, I, you know, you, you come into a, a new team, and you, you have 15 new guys that you've never met before, and 
the next day you're having to put them through a workout and it's not always the easiest thing um, there's a big trust there uh, these guys bodies are worth a lot more uh, than, than people realize and uh, some of these guys are trying to play professionally and, and things like that so there's a big trust factor there obviously um, so as far as relationship goes that's one of the first things that you got to do in, in my opinion is form a really good relationship and I've seen that with our, our golf team which I also assist with um, and they've had a different they had a different trainer last year so obviously I'm assistant to Preston with basketball so the basketball guys have Preston and he's kind of a constant for them whereas golf I'm a brand new guy um, so do they trust me what are we doing in the weight room how's that helping me with golf and things like that so the first thing that my job really was with them was to build relationships and get to know them and understand where they're coming from what they like what they think helps them on in golf um, what can translate to them and things of that nature so the relationship part is big as far as basketball relationships have obviously grown I'm with these guys seven days a week um, so you, you build a relationship there and I think with golf you can see the same thing is the more time we spend together the more we get to know each other and, and the stronger our relationships are. What, give me some examples of how you build that trust. I, number one is they got to understand that I'm here to make them better at golf and not a better weightlifter. Um, and when we get recruits and, and things like that that's the number one message I send to them. So you know the first team meeting I ever have when my face is in front of them I'm, I break down hey this is how the weight room helps you in golf. Um, you know from the preventative injury side to the let's get stronger and that's going to translate in your swing and that and that thing so the the number one is how are they how am, am I going to make them better at their sport because after all I'm a coach um, and that's my job so that's that's really the the first step in building trust and then the second step is just spending time with them getting them in here um, putting them through workouts making sure that uh, you know, I'm not doing things that turn them away or, or make them not want to be here um, as far as the weight room goes. So there's a, there's a feel out period there, which is um, with golf, it, it's an interesting sport because those guys, they play 36 holes every two days, right? Uh, they don't really like to be sore, <laughs> to be honest with you. So um, some guys are going to play amateur tournaments here and there, playing for their countries, things like that. So um, I got to figure out what is the best way to utilize my time with them, make them trust me, and then show them how that is going to translate into their game. If you want to work in this career, you have to be a morning person. On non-game days, Paul says his days start at 5 a.m., and he begins working out his baseball players in two different groups at around 6 a.m. Both baseball and softball have two to three run days, also at 6 a.m. For game days, his days start about seven hours before a game. During games, strength and conditioning coaches will eyeball their players and make sure they look fine. But when injury strikes, it freezes their world. By the way, in this next part, you'll hear the names Preston and Duke. Preston Green does what Paul does, but for men's basketball. Duke Lemons is a head athletic trainer, also for men's basketball. So March 1st, for men's basketball team mm -hmm. uh, played Arkansas. Mm -hmm. Kayvon Allen goes up for uh, a layup, comes mm -hmm. down. Yeah. He's on the, on the floor arriving. What's going through your head in that moment when you see him on the floor? Uh, world kind of stops for a minute. It really does because, first of all, you never want to see someone get injured. You, you never, you never want to see that. Second of all, when it's someone you know who is a, is a really key player on your team, um, someone that works really hard, you never want to see something taken away from them uh, when they put the effort in. So 
as soon as when that happens in basketball as you know like we're sitting on the bench and I look over to Preston Green the, the head strength coach and I look over to Duke the athletic trainer and our faces are all the same we're really worried um, things are running through our heads what what is it uh, what happened uh, how did he fall you know where what body part is it um, and we kind of are playing through like you know uh, what the next steps are there obviously Duke's going to take care of that he's phenomenal at his job and he's going to assess and, and figure out what's going on um, but when that happens the world honestly kind of stops for a second because you feel uh, you feel for the kid and then you can kind of feel the, the energy in the air there as far as the team goes uh, kind of gets sucked out of you and was, your uh, kind of drops and I'm sure you see that in the arena as well it was uh, was it, it was like a calf cramp eventually what it was yeah thank god it was just a, he so came, he landed weird and he just kind of cramped up in the calf so yeah. when you when you found out it was uh, I mean what was that sigh of relief like you're relieved you know it's funny it's like you're relieved that it's not something more serious in basketball you deal with ankles and knees and things like that you're relieved but honestly the reaction is well what could we have done better to prevent that um, and that kind of mindset for at least for us and, and our staff step is clicks right away and so we're on the bench and trying to get Kayvon ready but we're talking about well did he drink electrolytes was he hydrated should we have done this in the gym yesterday should we have not done this how was his warm-up and those are things we're talking about as we're getting him ready to go back on the court um, which is kind of funny so that's our first reaction is crap what happened how can we get better the physical side of this role is obviously important but Paul thinks the ability to breed mental toughness in his athletes is the best thing he can impart. More baseball games are going to be won um, uh, on the toughness side of things than versus how strong someone is. A baseball field, you can't tell. Well, you probably could tell probably who's probably not as strong as others, but it's all relative, the relative strength. Uh, the weight room is a very personal thing. You know, you can be, you can squat 500 pounds and hit zero home runs, but you can squat 135 and, you know, hit... 10, 11, 12 home runs, that sort of stuff. There's not a direct correlation necessary. That's kind of what people think about the weight room. It's not all about that. Um, you know, yeah, strong is good, but what's what's strong enough to play? What's strong enough to keep someone from being hurt? Is it a certain number? I mean, I think all those questions are kind of um, much more uh, open-ended than what people what people think. And how do you build mental toughness? You know, you can't really pick up a dumbbell, right. and, you know. But what I do uh, with both teams is um, uh, with baseball, we have an iron gator challenge. Um, with softball, we just do a lot of uh, finishers and competitions. So in a finisher and comp competition, what I might do is I might have two athletes partner up after a, a workout, okay? Um, the example I give, I might have uh, one player uh, just hold a wall set. Okay, everyone's done a wall set at some point in their life, okay? But I get to partner with a teammate, okay? So one teammate's just gonna hold a wall set, okay? The other person's gonna have to push a sled, okay? So that's fine. But I'm gonna get the person. I'm sled. just gonna jump in here. Paul has one athlete do a wall sit while the other pushes a heavy sled 20 yards around the cone. They can't touch the cone and they can't let go of the sled. The person doing the wall sit is hoping his teammate doesn't mess up because after a while, well, it hurts to wall sit. The point of this is to work through failure and breed conflict resolution between the two teammates. Well, how does that relate to the game of baseball? Well, yeah, it doesn't other than I've been put in a stressful situation that maybe I'm not comfortable with. So maybe that's how a seventh inning fits. And it's like, 
I gotta make a few big pitches and I've been in a stressful situation. Same thing the ninth inning or maybe it's a big moment in the third inning um, and um, you have to kind of bear down and, uh, and not make a mistake, you know, but you've been through it or adversity or I made a mistake, I just can't let another mistake happen. If you look at Paul's bio on the Florida website, about 75% of it is dedicated to listing the achievements of the softball and baseball team. Very little is said about Paul himself. To be in this position, you have to be okay being out of the spotlight. For Blake, this is completely fine because his team's success is his success. Obviously, we're, we talked about being successful with the team and, and being in that realm. When we played Kentucky this year at home and seeing those guys just really play well, uh, that, was, that was a really, really cool moment for me um, because... Whether or not the stuff we do in there translates 100% to the, to the court, we'll never know. Um, but sharing the success with those guys was awesome. I guess for me, proudest moment, I guess it's probably a little more validating um, when players want to come back and train. You know, obviously when they're here, uh, they don't have a choice uh, to, to be with me or go through my programs or workouts. But, I mean, obviously, having the groups of pro guys that I've come back every year um, or um, pro softball players or former softball players still continually wanting to train uh, definitely does make me, uh, make me feel good. Um, it means I feel like I've made a difference in their life. They're trusting me with more of their career and more of their life. Um, so I guess that'd probably be one of my, my proudest moments. Because like I said, I mean, all those championships, I mean, they're just going to collect us and people are going to just kind of remember that, oh yeah, but it's those relationships are going to last a lifetime. That was Paul Chandler and Blake Bender, both members of Florida's strength and conditioning program. If their athlete success really is their success, then I'd say they're doing a pretty good job. Baseball, softball, and men's golf are all top three programs in the country, and men's basketball is top 15 and about to enter the NCAA tournament. I'm your host, Eddie Almaguer, and I hope you learned something you didn't know 20 minutes ago. This is The Unheralded. See you next week.